Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking Formula One podcast. My name's Ben Hawking. Joining me as ever, Harry Eid and Samuel Sage. Guys, how's your week going? Week's good. We haven't got a race coming up though, so I'm a little bit lost and a little bit confused. And my family are very confused because I'm actually free to do things on both Saturday and Sunday. It's uh, puzzling times. <laughs> uh, I mean, Sam, you could stay and watch a 24 hours of Le Mans. All 24. All right. Then. Yeah, that's it. I'm sorted. <laughs> Sorry, family. All plans are off. Le Mans is on. Yeah, you just explained to them. You know how F1, like Mugello went on for almost three hours. It's just a lot, a lot more than that. If you times that by eight, then, then you've got this race and that's happening now. So bye. <laughs> I love it. Literally seven races in nine weeks. Oh, by the way, 24 hour race at the weekend. How about that? Um, there's, there's always motorsport. There's always something. But focusing tonight, we're going to be looking at Williams. Um, and obviously, it's been a very eventful few weeks for Williams. We'll just be unpacking everything that's happened and discussing our reactions to it. The Ferrari Driver Academy is going through a bit of a good spell at the moment. They've got a number of drivers in contention for the Formula 2 Championship. We'll be looking through their options and how many of them and, and which of them will looking are looking like they might get a 2021 seat. Uh, and because we are halfway through the season now, we will be giving out some F1 mid-season awards that I'm sure all of the drivers and teams will be desperate to know whether they have picked up a an LB. Um, bringing back the LB, it's been a bit of a while. But first, we are going to focus on Williams. Um, you might have noticed we haven't touched this topic until now, purely because we wanted to give this topic the attention we think it deserves for the first time since the team's inception in 1977, the Williams family has no involvement in the team. And in fact, Frank Williams, his involvement in F1 goes back even further to 1969. So, um, yes, this uh, it's quite groundbreaking news from the Williams family here. Uh, it came to the came to an end with the news on the 21st of August that Doralton Capital will be acquiring the company, um, although keeping with the Williams name, at least for now. Claire Williams was offered the opportunity to stay on as team principal, but she declined that offer. So Simon Roberts is taking over the ex-McLaren man, at least on an interim basis. Sam, starting with you, what was your reaction to this? It was pretty shocking. I mean, Dalton Capital came in. They've obviously taken over what was pretty much known as the last proper family team in Formula One. Um, McLaren obviously still a family name, but has no actual link really to the McLaren family anymore. So Williams kind of take that all on their own. Struggled, uh, were then bought out, and now obviously they're no longer with us in the sport, just the game. They've officially walked off the uh, the calendar. They're not going to be there every single weekend, which is a sight that I've been used to seeing literally since I started watching Formula 1 for the very first time. So many years ago now. 
Um, I am absolutely shocked that neither Claire nor Frank will be there. It's a real shame. I really enjoyed having them both there. It's a real shame for women in motorsport because obviously Claire was very much uh, uh, someone to look at, someone to admire, someone to work towards. You know, she had fought her way through what was a very male-dominated area and she no longer had that for her now because they've had to sell up due to the uh, financial difficulties they're experiencing, which is a real shame. So I hope that maybe she comes back to the sport in another aspect, which would be great, and that uh, we see more female team bosses and leaguers throughout the sport going forward. But, um, I mean, there are so many wonderful Williams moments throughout history. It's a shame the family can't enjoy them anymore, but maybe, maybe this is the lease of life now that Williams actually need to kick on and rejoin the midfield and maybe get a couple of podiums or a wing. It'd be great to see them back on those top steps once again after what feels like it's been absolutely ages. Yeah, certainly progress made in 2020, but more progress can be made uh, compared to where they are right now. Harry, what did you make of the news? Yeah, a broad agreement with Sam. It's it's a sad, It was a sad day. Um, I mean, I was less sad when the news came in about the, you know, the, the thoughts on capital news because we didn't know at that point that Claire and the family were leaving was just kind of happy that Williams were staying in F1 and of course they still are um but the yeah it was it's sad to see the last the last privateer team go I mean yeah Racing Point aren't really a privateer team anymore they definitely won't be next year um they're not they're not Jordan anymore unfortunately um yeah it's 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 sad and and you know as Sam said the history they they have in the sport it's it's F1's definitely a different place now uh, they were kind of the last the last hurrah of the of the old days of Formula One when a when a privateer team could take it up to you know to the big boys so um yeah I, I, and to be fair to 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 Claire she's got a bad rap over the past few years and you know rightly so Williams is sunken into a pretty pitiful pit of bad uh, bad results. A pitiful but, pit. I pitiful love that. Pit. Um, but, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, they had a podium in all of those years. Admittedly, 17, they only had one. Um, 14 and 15, they were third in the Constructors' Championship. 2015, they beat Red Bull. Um, you know, and I know that's down to a few extenuating circumstances. They really were helped by the Mercedes engine dominance. But, she still led that team to two consecutive third places in in the championship. So, uh, yeah, I think obviously past performance guarantees nothing, as evidence here. But yeah, I don't think she did a particularly bad job. In fact, she did quite a good job. Just the last couple of years have really caught up, and it was just it proves that you can't be a privateer team in F one anymore. And I don't know whether that's that's a you know makes F one look bad. Why why can't a team be run by a family anymore? And maybe that should be something F1 looks at. We shouldn't have lost uh, all the all the privately run teams. But um, anyway, that's a different conversation. But yeah, it's a sad day, but happy that the Williams name remains in F1 still. Yeah, uh, which is important to remember. Uh, and that's a real positive that's come out of this. Um, and of course, yeah, Claire Williams did have the opportunity to stay on as, as team principal. Um, and I think she should take heart in that, even though she didn't accept the offer um, that someone outside of the outside of Williams, you know, Donaldson capital come in, acquire the company. They have complete reign over who they want in that position. Um, and by choice, they would have had her. So I think Claire Williams can take a lot of heart from that and know that she did do a decent job over the last few years. And to be quite honest, I think you could probably put nearly anyone in the same position that Claire Williams was in. And I don't think it would have gone a right lot better. Um, the the simple fact of the matter is that team is not set up to succeed or was not set up to succeed in this era of Formula One. Um, and you have to praise them for holding on to the heritage of the company for as long as they could. Um, and not only being the last of the old guard, so to speak, but by a long shot as well. Um, you know, if you if you look back at the likes of of I don't know, say Ken Tyrrell and the Tyrrell Racing Team. Um, Eddie Jordan, of course, and you, even further back, you know, Colin Chapman at Lotus, and you know these the, these characters and these drivers, they they all died out by the end of the 20th century, uh, and Williams managed to, through you know sensible sensible partnerships, um, through the Mercedes, you know the Mercedes power, you know, obviously helped at the beginning of the the hybrid era, they were able to 
they were able to keep going in the, in the state that they were in. And it's really admirable that they could do so. The, the only thing from Claire Williams' perspective that maybe she should have had, she should have had, or they as in the team should have had the foresight that that Mercedes engine was covering up a lot of weaknesses with the car and within the team. And maybe they weren't able to see that quickly enough. But to be perfectly honest, even if I, they were aware of that, I'm not sure what actions could have been taken within that setup at the time. I think, you know, Formula One, ultimately, the formula in Formula One has changed. You know, the formula for success is not the same as what it was in 1980 and 1985 and 1990. It's just just not the same anymore, Um, which, yeah, I agree is pretty sad to, to a degree that these these you know plucky characters can't come out of nowhere uh, and, and really make an impression in Formula One because I think these characters are very good for Formula One. You know, Frank Williams and Claire Williams have been great for the sport. Eddie Jordan was incredibly entertaining. I know he splits opinion. I loved having him in the paddock. Karen, Ken Tyrrell was a character. Colin Chapman was a, was a character. These guys are representing themselves and themselves only in a lot of instances. Not to say that the current lot of team principals and team owners are bad, not by a long shot, but a lot of the time it does feel as if they are towing the company line, so to speak, and they are representing big brands. And as a result of that, aren't the same sort of bold characters who who want to go racing. And that is a bit of a shame. Um, And maybe F1 do need to look at that and, and work out how that could be achievable in the future. Maybe we're too far past the point now. But yeah, you know, Williams, I, I just have to say, I, I admire everything they were, everything they will be. Uh, and, and yes, this was an inevitability. Uh, ultimately, this was inevitable. This was going to happen. Um, they they need to find a way to win. Their setup was not was not designed to do so. Now, I think, yeah, I think they can get in and amongst the midfield again. Can they go further on than that? That remains to be seen, but it's a good start at least. I mean... One thing I want to focus on, actually, is where where Williams could have gone slightly different. And the thing that keeps coming back to me is their partnership with BMW in the in the early sort of 21st century, so 2000 to 2005. Harry, do you think the, the decision not to go with BMW and allow BMW to take over the company at that point, do you think that was an error or, or do you think that could have been done differently? Would that have changed the course of history? Uh, I think it would have kept them more competitive for the next few years. Um, and, you know, I've seen a few things that you know, people say that, you know, that, that was the turning point and they they never recovered from that. But, but let's look at BMW. What did they do in their tenure in F1? They had one race win. Um, who's to say that it would have been any better if they stayed with Williams and taken over that team? So uh, I don't necessarily think it would have... It, it would have kept them nearer to the top, uh, that's for sure, over the next few years, to the end of the noughties. Um, but whether that would have stopped the inevitable, because we still would have had you know, the big financial crash, Toyota, BMW, all would have, and Honda all would have pulled out anyway. Um, and then Williams would have been left where they were at the end of 05, and what with maybe one more win. So I, I, don't, I wouldn't pin it to that, I don't think. And, you know, they couldn't have foreseen what F1 would have been like now. And they didn't, you know, they didn't want to let go of that independence. And I, I, don't, I, I don't think, I don't think we would have looked at Williams the same if they had given it up then. And it's sad now, but like I said, we we admire them for for you know doing as much as they have since then. I mean, they still got a race win, good old pasta. And as I said, they've <laughs> had a, they've had a fair few successful results in between then. So as an independent team, so you know, yeah. I, I don't think it would have made much of a difference, to be honest. Fair enough. Um, Sam, what do you think? Obviously, the last time Williams were in contention for a championship, 2003, there was the BMW partnership there. Do you think that BMW taking over the company would have made much difference? Yeah, I do. BMW are a manufacturing powerhouse. They're one of the most successful car manufacturers and engine manufacturers of all time. Um, they have financial capabilities as large as the likes of Mercedes and Ferrari. They are monumentally huge and of course they are so german centric and in formula one there were no other key german members at that point anyway um obviously mclaren mercedes were together but there wouldn't be one core german team and remember the sebastian vettel trial with uh that kind of team so they could have brought in vettel rosberg was there heigfeld was there. there's a lot of german talent ralph schumacher there's a lot of german talent that 
and he is, he's a talent. Get the jaw out, you know. Um, get your jaws out for the lads. Um, and to me, I feel like they could really have pulled together a great pool of talent. They could really come up with something really interesting. Uh, BMW and Audi doing really well in Formula E. BMW are, were doing really well in DTM. Um, you know, BMW have consistently been at the very top of manufacturing across the world. They, they know how to make a good car. They know how to make money. They know how to be profitable. Um, they're just very good at what they do. And I think that if maybe they've done a 50-50 split, if the Williams team had owned half of what they had in their own holdings and sold half to BMW, there could have been a really interesting partnership form there. And the talent that they had around them at that point, if they were able to step on, navigate the financial crash and come back in that hybrid gear, which they're clearly doing well in with electric power at the moment, I really think they could have been a contender. I think they would have had the know-how, the financial input and the technology behind them to make something quite interesting. Of course, it's all hypothetical. Of course, it's all irrelevant now. And I do have a lot of pride for Williams for sticking out as long as they did as an independent team, for being as successful as they could be in what is the most expensive era of racing we've ever seen. All on their own, they've done a great job. But BMW were a massive, massive name to have as a partnership. They have had that sole relationship, you know, relying on Mercedes to be the only person that they can get engines off, no B-team options, no being held back because you can't do your own engine stuff. Like <coughs> Red Bull and Honda, they want their own engine. They don't want another big team sharing an engine with them. Um, so, yeah, I do think that actually BMW might have been their, their ticket back to success, big-time success. Uh, it's a shame. It's a shame that they couldn't carry it forward, but good for them for sticking with their own morals and uh, it came to an end, which is a real shame. Yeah, I think from Williams' perspective, they had become accustomed to very strong relationships with their with their engine suppliers. Um, you know, they had a very brief um, tenure with Honda, um, which which worked well. Um, they then go into this long term relationship with Renault, which works very very well, um, and it brings them many championships. Obviously, they they end up you know Renault end up leaving F one at the end of uh, ninety seven, um, and then after a few years, sort of middling out with other engine suppliers like um like SuperTech that they get this BMW partnership in 2000 and you know from Williams perspective it worked with Renault it worked with Honda and it just didn't work with BMW um and you know th- that they had a very toxic relationship um if you remember back then you it, it didn't quite click you know, BMW blamed Williams for for not being able to produce good enough cars Williams blamed BMW for not producing reliable enough engines and it seemed to go back and forth like that for far too long um when you know when you are relying on an external partnership like they were that relationship has to be perfect because if it's not it's not going to be enough to topple the likes of ferrari as it were back then who obviously would have been doing their engines in-house they don't have to deal with that you know external relationship at all um so even if bmw had completely taken over the Williams team, that toxic atmosphere would still have been there. That wouldn't have completely disappeared. And, you you know, you raise a good point, Harry, that, you know, the financial crash would still have happened. Would it have happened any differently? Of course, we have to remember that they would have been overtaking a Williams team rather than a Sauber team. Of course, there's a, you know, they managed to turn that Sauber team into a car that was good enough to win a race and arguably could have won one or two more. What could they have done with Williams? Could they have done even more? I'd say yes. Is you know, alternative histories is very difficult, but yes, I think it at least had the potential um, to win more races than that. Would it have been enough for a championship? I don't think so. Would it have been enough for a long term relationship? Again, I, I sort of lean towards I don't think so. But yeah, it's it feels as if that was their last real chance to to be championship contenders. For from there on, it was a it was a tough road really. I mean, and just to just to briefly sort of chat on um, Sam, do you have any sort of first memories of, of Williams? Of course, they've been around ever since we've been F one fans. Yeah, the first major Williams memory I have. This is my actual living memory. I've got favourite memories that I've kind of yeah. watched when I grew up. My first actual living memory that I can kind of semi be aware of is Jackie the moment X where sorry, couldn't resist. It's, it's when Jackie X. They didn't take a victory with Williams. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> go watch another episode if you want to know where that reference comes from. Um, is actually where the, the Schumacher Villeneuve crash. That's my first kind of semi conscious memory. Uh, you know, the leg break, the championship decider, 
Villeneuve winging due to the collision. That was my first proper moment of being like, wow, you know, this is Formula One. This, that's the first season I think I was consciously aware. I was like maybe two and a half going on to three at that point. Um, so, you know, you're still little, but I was just aware of it. And that was a pretty big moment in Formula One anyway. Yeah. So that's my first actual memory. A couple of favorite memories. Um, rewatched the, the 1987 Silverstone Grand Prix. Obviously, the Mansell PK fight that went on was absolutely amazing. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go and watch that Grand Prix. It's incredible. And um, obviously, Mansell in 1992. I'm not a massive Mansell fan, but uh, he was dominant in that car. He was absolutely superb in that car. And they built some fantastic cars in the late 80s, early 90s. And what a season for for a Brit, which is always nice to see. So, you know, some fantastic moments in their history, fantastic drivers that they've had in their lineup. Um, so it's just a shame that they're not going to be there anymore. It'll be interesting to hear what the, the, you guys as the listeners think. Let us know in the comments. Yeah. Any any first memories of Williams, Harry? I can't remember first memories. I have a couple of, of personal memories. Um, one being, uh, I, I was and am a massive uh, Schumacher fan. Michael, not Ralph. Um, uh, and well, we all love Ralph. Um, but my dad used to wind me up because you know back in the day, Montoya used to give Schumacher a good run for his money, and so my dad bought me a Williams jumper. <laughs> I refused to wear it, uh, and I never wore it. So sorry, Dad. And then another another memory also involves my dad. So you know, big up Jonathan, represent. Um, was Silverstone twenty fifteen, and we were sat in the grandstand, and Felipe Massa absolutely mugs the Mercedes off the line to take the lead, and the hundred ninety nine and hundred ninety nine nine hundred ninety nine thousand people were silent, apart from one person, which was. My dad, who was a massive Williams fan, <laughs> it was what he was beaming that Felipe Massa was winning. So, um, yeah, a couple of those uh, personal ones. I mean, Maldonado winning in Spain 2012—that was sick. What a moment! Extraordinary day. Yeah, and that doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, the, the next time that that really happened was a couple of weekends ago in Monza with uh, yeah. with the Gasly. That doesn't happen very often in F1. So, um, yeah, that's that's another standout one. Yeah, I, I just think now, sort of eight years on, over eight years on from that Maldonado win, who would have thought at the time that that would be it? That would be the last win. Um, seems crazy. Um, but at least Pasta can hold on to that for the rest of his life. Um, well, <laughs> I, I, for the Williams family, at least. I'm sure the Williams team will, will go on to win plenty more races, I hope. Um, in, in terms of first memories, of course, you know, you think back, I just remember that gorgeous red livery of the Winfield and, and thinking, oh, this livery is going to be there forever. And then they got rid of it for some reason. I've never forgiven them for that. That's it's a, a lot of sarcasm. One, a lot of sarcasm. <laughs> um, I actually like that car. Oh, I have a oh, day no. off with Winnie the Woodpecker on the front of it. No. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I, I don't really have like a definitive first memory either, but I do have sort of a collection of early memories of just Juan Pablo Montoya ripping it up in qualifying because <laughs> given given our age... Big up Mr. Chunky. Give, big up Mr. Chunky. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, given our age at the time, obviously the Ferraris were winning so many races at that point. Uh, at that point in their in their career, but um, Juan Pablo Montoya would still take it on a on, on a qualifying day. Juan Pablo Montoya would pick up more than his fair share of pole positions. And when you're that age, it's it, it's all about the pole position. Is it? It's all about you know cars, fast fast cars. You know you you don't think about strategy of Ferrari or anything like that. So um, yeah, Montoya blitzing qualifying laps form a lot of my early memories of Formula One, um, and of course the Maldonado one. I can't, I can't not say that. What a great, what a great win that was. Um, but yeah, I think overall, uh, next chapter for Williams. Let's see, let's see what they can do. Obviously, it is sad what has happened. Um, and you know, as Sam has said, we'd love to hear your memories of Williams um, in in the chat, whether that relates to the team or indeed the family itself. Moving on to the Ferrari Driver Academy. Uh, of the 22 drivers in the F2 Championship in 2020, five of them are Ferrari Driver Academy members. Giuliano Alessi, Marcus Armstrong, Robert Schwartzman, Callum Eilert and Mick Schumacher. 
Uh, and speaking after the Tuscan Grand Prix, there are a further three weekends to go, so six races uh, until the season is wrapped up. And as of right now, Ferrari Driver Academy members make up three of the top four spots. Mick Schumacher leads the way with 161. Callum Eilert is his nearest challenger with 153. And Robert Schwartzman is in fourth on 140. So looking at Haas and Alfa Romeo and whether seats will be available there, Sam, do you think there's an opportunity for any of these drivers? I have said it before and I'll say it again. There will be at least two of those drivers uh, across Alfa and Haas. And I'd be shocked if there isn't three. Uh, the crop of drivers that those Ferrari B-sides essentially had, you know, Haas running with um, Grosjean and Magnussen, both need to go. And Alfa Romeo running with Kimi Raikkonen and Giovanni. Giovanni? Who's Giovanni? Giovanni? <laughs> Who's Giovanni? <laughs> Giovanazzi, there you go. Or uh, Giovanazzi, as uh, a certain commentator likes to call him. Um, which is awful, by the way. Don't condone that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if all four don't get re-signed for next season. Because they're all really bad now. Kimi Raikkonen, the only reason he'd be stuck around for is because of experience due to maybe building a car, to helping them develop the car further in a season that isn't going to change much. So that might be helpful. But equally, in a season that isn't going to change much, having F2 drivers coming when the cars are almost identical might be a good thing. It might be a nice stepping ground to get in for the new era starts, those new developments, those new regulations. And I would love to see Schumacher come up. I'd love to see Eilock come up. I'd love to see Schwartzman come up. Um, and, and and the rest, if possible. They're all very big talents. I think a lazy maybe is being a little bit hard done by with the car that he's being dealt with and the team that he's got with him at the moment. Uh, but he has not showed the same level of talent that the other ones have shown so far. But for me, at least those three in the top four should be making that step up. And I'd like to see either a, a Perez in one of those cars alongside them or a Hulkenberg alongside one of those guys as well. Um, and I think it could be really exciting, but I think they deserve it. They have clearly shown that they could do what they need to do. And that F2 Championship, if you're not watching it, is super exciting. Get involved for the last six races. What do you reckon, Harry? Do you think there's an opportunity for these guys? Yeah, I think there will be two spaces available uh, in Haas and Alpha. One on each team. I I think Kimi will stay another year. I don't think they'll want to keep him. Um, and I think Haas won't get rid of Magnussen. And there'll be a space there as well. Um, bring, I mean, it would, you know, I would love for, you know, these two teams to mix it up and bring in two fresh drivers. But that's a massive risk. And especially if you consider Haas, who, you know, they still they need some sort of continuity to help develop that car. Um, yeah, I think there's two spaces. The problem is, I think there are at least three drivers, Eilat, Schumacher, Schwartzman, who all deserve, probably deserve a, a space. So there's going to be one who misses out. Um, I think it might may well be Schwartzman, just on the basis that he's younger and they might want to give him another year in F2. Um, Eilat and Schumacher are doing their second year. So on that basis, you might say Schwartzman needs to do another year as well. But then you, you run the risk of the original space. Having said that, if they keep Kimmy for next year, 2022 Kimi will be at least 103, so that he may decide to retire then, in which case you can bring Schwartzman to that alpha. Um, yeah, I think one of them is going to be disappointed. Whether it gets based off the championship or not, I don't know. I mean, Schumacher, because of who his dad is, stands a good chance of getting one of those seats anyway. But to be honest, he's, you know, as we said, he's leading the championship now. He's, he's shown uh, that he's got the on-track performances this year. Um so I think he's probably going to be in one. Ilot could well be the second one, in my opinion. I think he's doing really well this year. Um, so, yeah, but who knows? Because things could change really quickly. As we've seen in F2, it's a mad, mad championship. And I echo Sam's thoughts. If you're not watching it, get up a bit earlier on a Sunday and watch it. Because it's, it's a lot of the time more interesting than F1. Just saying. And they can do uh, safety car restarts around Mugello as well, if that's a reason yeah. to get involved. <laughs> um, yeah, I, like like you say, I echo that completely. Um, focusing just on Mick Schumacher for the moment, um, and I've seen quite a few times that he, people seem to think he is just a name and nothing else. I would definitely argue that that's not the case. W- would you agree with that, Sam? Now, this is a really difficult debate, isn't it? Because... He arguably has had a way paved for him in motorsport due to who his father and his family links are. Yes, of course, that definitely helps. 
But at the same time, results speak louder than anything. And if Mick Schumacher was finishing 20th every single race and never got a win, never scored points, never did anything constructive with his career, then there's only so much you can argue about a name. Now, in F3, it took him two seasons and then he won it. And it seems like it's a bit of a trend that Mick Schumacher has to develop, has to come into his own, has to understand the car and the championship a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it at all if you can kick on. And from what we've seen from Mick Schumacher, he has the talent to kick on. He is starting slow this season and throughout the entire time, he's built and built and he got his first win, which is fantastic for the youngster. And now he leads the championship. He had a great time in Mugello. He's starting, I think, 16th place in the feature race and finishing fifth, which is brilliant. Great turnaround. I genuinely think the guy has got a lot of talent. Do I think he's going to be a multiple world title holder and come close to his father? Unlikely, especially because he's linked to Ferrari and Ferrari going the wrong way big time. But then again, Michael did the same thing, didn't he, back in the late 90s? Um, for me, I do think he will be a successful Formula One driver. I do think he will gain the sponsorship. I think he'll always be appealing to teams because of the name. I hope he's a race winner. I hope he gets a title fight. But for now, he definitely deserves a spot in one of those uh, in one of those teams at the moment. And he deserves a long-term career currently in motorsport because he's better than a lot of people around him and he's better than a lot of people give him credit for. Schumacher is not just a name. The guy can pull out results. What do you reckon, Harry, as to the uh, Schumacher is just a name argument that is made? Yeah, I, I completely echo Sam again. I don't like agreeing with Sam, as everybody knows. But, echo! Um, echo, echo. Um, yeah, look, I think... It, Undoubtedly, he has been helped by the fact of who his dad is. Although, to be fair, in his junior career, he didn't run race under the Schumacher name, although everyone knew, knew who he was. Um, and if he had been another driver, would the teams have let him have two seasons to get up to speed? Who knows? But having said that, he has been a bit of a slow burner, but he has proved in both F3. The similarities between his F3 and his F2 seasons are, <laughs> are remarkable in the way that he didn't you know he didn't do very well until the second towards the second half of the second year and the same yeah that was the same in f3 as it is in f2 now so um yeah weird one but that's just obviously the way it works he just builds in confidence and and you know it comes on song towards towards the end of the second year so yeah undoubtedly he has talent and i don't think he has the same uh natural abilities as his as his old man i, I don't think anyone's saying that but i think he's got a fair bit of his dad's dedication like his work ethic um to make up for it he he seems to be pretty pretty studious in the, in that sense um which will go a long way if he gets an f1 seat so yeah i do, it, undoubtedly the name has helped but he is in that f2 seat on his own merit despite what dan tictum thinks <laughs> i think you mean richard tanktrum <laughs> exactly yeah, come on um, yeah, so as you've both referenced in terms of the opportunities that are there for these drivers coming into F1, there could well be and up to four. Um, I, I agree with you, Harry, that I think two is, is seems likely. I'd say one or two. Uh, you know, Magnussen's seat is definitely not secure. Grosjean's seat is definitely not secure. Giovinazzi's seat is definitely not secure. Raikkonen, I think Alpha do want Raikkonen back, but of course we don't know what he wants to do. So no, none of those four are, are set in stone. So there are going to be opportunities for these guys somewhere, or there is going to be opportunities for someone somewhere, whether they end up taking the likes of Hulkenberg or Perez remains to be seen. I think all three of them are very close in terms to how talented they are and what level prospects they are. Um, to be honest, I don't think any of them are A-level prospects, so to speak. I don't think any of them are in the... George Russell, Charles Leclerc, Lando Norris territory of of progression. You, you, you have to remember that, you know, especially in the case of, of Charles Leclerc and George Russell, they were able to win F3 and F2 at the first time of asking. With Schumacher and Eilert, they did not do very well in their first year at an F2. Uh, Schwartzman, of course, is in his first year and he is looking uh, he is looking towards the championship. So maybe he's more of a prospect in that sense. But I would put these or I would categorize these guys uh, much more closely to the likes of Albon and Gasly and Ocon rather than the likes of Russell and Norris and Leclerc. Well, that's just my two cents on that. 
Um, in terms of Mick Schumacher, I would agree that he is much more than the name. And I think his his surname is is a blessing and a burden, it, almost in equal measure, really. You know, the, the blessing comes in that he has, uh, he's going to get commercial opportunities, I think, that other drivers won't have. He's he's more well known than any, any other F2 driver. Um, and, you know, in a dead heat, you know, there are going to be plenty of F1 fans who want to see the Schumacher name and that will work in his favour if needed. Um, but I feel as if there is this lazy narrative that because he has this surname, he's getting all these opportunities. But he has earned everything that he has got in his motorsport career so far. There hasn't there has not been an occasion where he has moved up to the next tier without him deserving it. If you think back to because he he was in uh, you know in F four he finished tenth place in his first year of F four. You know if he had such an opportunity because of his surname he'd have probably have progressed straight to F three. He didn't. He did another year of F four, improved, got second place, and then he started on that sort of not very good first year, very good second year pattern. You know in F three. Didn't do very well in his first year of F3. He didn't go up to F2 as a result of that. He did another year of F3 and he earned his spot in F2 by winning that championship. Similarly, F2 last season, he finishes 12th. No opportunity to move up to F1. He goes back and he's first in the championship now. So in terms of opportunities, yes, he might get some later in his career. But I really do believe he has earned everything that he has got so far. I think Schumacher has the potential to be a consistent Formula One driver, uh, and he's been extremely consistent this year. He's only been out of the points in three races to this point. If you compare that to Robert Schwartzman, he's been out of the points in seven occasions. So very consistent driver. My concern with Schumacher is that he has only claimed one victory. Um, and you know, his first his first feature race win came at Monza. He did win one last season as well, but I believe that was a sprint race win, win at yeah, uh, Hungary. Um, so yeah, his lack of wins concerns me a little bit, but his consistency is definitely a plus point and will serve him well if and when he gets to F1. Looking um, at, I can't sorry, believe I'm saying this. Sorry, just about Schumacher. I can't believe I'm saying this, but age. I mean, he's 21 now. Um, and I can't believe that 21 almost feels like he's old to come into the sport. But we looked at Latifi when he came up, and people were saying he's too old. He's past it. He's had his time. He's had his moment. Doesn't deserve the chance. I think the Latifi is getting better and better, but I see their point. If you look at the likes of Verstappen on Norris, um, is is Mick too old? He's coming around to being 22. And by the time that if he does get a drive this coming season, the season will start when he is 22 years old. That's only a year younger than Max. So do you think that maybe is a hindrance? I think that's just the how it's gone now. Um, I think that's across the board, really, because I don't think Mick Schumacher is old in the sense of if his people that he's around in F2. You know, Stroll and Verstappen coming into the sport at the ages they were, that that was what you could do back then. Um, obviously, the rules were changed uh, after sort of Max Verstappen came into the sport. Um, so I don't necessarily think he is too old. He's, he's you know, it's 21. Callum Eilert's 21 as well. Um, Robert Schwartzman turned 21 today. So happy birthday, Robert Schwartzman. Happy um, birthday, mate. But yeah, I, I think nearly all of the drivers <laughs> are in that 20-21 bracket. Uh, it's only really sort of Lungard, who I think is a bit younger than that. He might be 18, 19. Um, but yeah, I I don't think it's too much of a concern, to be honest. Um, just looking at the other two drivers as well, because um, you know, Callum Eilert's an interesting one. He's been great in qualifying this year. Um, could be you know, very useful. We know how important qualifying is in F1. Um, and in my opinion, even though he's not winning at the moment in terms of the championship, he's been the best driver this year. Um, and Robert Schwartzman, I think of all the three, I would agree that he probably needs that one extra year just because he does have only one year of F2 experience. But, um, you know, if, if, if you look at... One thing I do quickly want to bring up, actually, with Robert Schwartzman is that, you know, they have feature races and sprint races, obviously, in F2. Feature races are much more representative of what they're going to see when they get to F1. And if you were to just add up the points on the feature race totals alone, Robert Schwartzman would be winning the championship. So I I would say that that is a plus point for him. But yeah, I would agree that all three of them are deserve deserve a chance in F1. Like I don't think they are that A level prospects, but I think they are. They they have the potential to be solid Formula One drivers who have long careers. Something about Eilat. 
I don't like. I really like Calamai. Like, I think he's a fantastic driver, but for some reason, it feels like he hasn't got marketability or he hasn't got that desire from the teams that maybe are going to get. I feel like Ferrari will just not put him in the, in their car for some reason. I feel like he just won't go in that car regardless of what happens, um, which feels like a shame because I think he's turning into one of the best young drivers we've seen for a, a while. You know, I think he he probably is the the crop, the best of the crop that are coming through at the moment. Um, and maybe won't get that drive due to his name. I think, obviously, Schwarzman has the Russian link, which will drive a lot of investment. Schumacher was Schumacher. So I think Eilert might end up missing out, which would be a shame. I think Eilert will miss out just because Ferrari will never hire another British driver ever again because of Eddie Irvine. So thank you, Eddie. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm kidding, Big Ed. Don't worry. Should we move on to some Elbies? Come on then, let's do some Elby's Awards. Well, thank you for coming here today. Live on Podcast on Spotify. I'm Colin Pittlesworth, and you're here for the Late Breaking Week Season Award. Now, over to our host, Benjamin King. Yes, thank you ever so much. Whatever the hell your name was, we are going to crack on <laughs> with the Elby's. Uh, we're nine races into the season of the 17 we're going to get in total, or at least how that's planning out at the moment. We're going to give out some awards. So we're going to start with the MVP award, the most valuable player, also known as player. also known as the Alex Young award. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but who are you going for here, Sam? Um, it's between three drivers for me. Uh, I've got the golden envelope in my hand with Sam Sage award on it. Uh, and the... And we're going back to Clive. The nominees are Pierre Gasly, Max Verstappen, and Lewis Hamilton. Um, and essentially, Lewis Hamilton's got it because he's been ridiculously good pretty much since the very first race. Even in that awful race with Silverstone, he managed to make the same results as Bottas work, got past him on the same strategy, and then just drove off into the distance. He's managed his tyres brilliantly. He's gone through so many difficult scenarios. Look at Mugello, for example. He just, he just dealt with it so well. Uh, but Gasly has been fantastic. He's really come into his own in the kind of the last four or five races. And of course, picked up that wing. And Verstappen has been the only man to challenge. And you've got to take your hat off to him. Someone who's so young in a car that really, in Albon's hand, isn't that great. He's doing a fantastic job. So for me, it is Hamilton. But there have been some really good drives this season. Who are you plucking for here, Mr. Reed? Uh, for a bit of variety. I don't disagree with Sam at all there. But I'll go, I'll go with Max for MVP. Um, uh, he, I don't think that Red Bull should be anywhere. Well, it shouldn't be in between the Mercedes at any points this season, let alone win a race. Um, yeah, he's just the when when his car works and he doesn't get punted off. Um, he is the thorn in Mercedes' side, uh, particularly Bottas's side. Um, yeah, I think he's been mega impressive, continuing that form from from last year. And in terms of form for the season, him and Hamilton, I'd say, are on a par. And both have been mega impressive. So I'll give my MVP to... It's the Max Verstappen Player Award. (laughs) Very good indeed. Very good. Um, I don't disagree with anything that's been said. I am going to go for Lewis Hamilton. Uh, I know he's had a little bit less to deal with in terms of competition, but... He's he's impressed with this late career Hamilton has has really progressed in the last few years that he is he's such a, his race management is so much better than what it used to be and that's continued on to the, into this season and I know he hasn't got the Ferraris to deal with in qualifying anymore but there were questions about Lewis Hamilton's qualifying performances last season and whether we were going to start to see him slow up as he gets older and this season he's been brilliant in qualifying so I'm going to go for Hamilton. Uh, honourable mention, actually. I do want to put Lando Norris as an honourable mention as well. I think he's had a really good year. So Lewis Hamilton wins it for me. Let's go on to best race. What have we got for this one, Harry? Uh, I was having a, having a long old think about this earlier, whilst I should have been doing some work. And um, we've had some complete bonkers races this year. Um, but I think the one that still stands out, and I don't know whether I'm looking back at this very sentimentally because it was the first race back after lockdown. And it, you know, it was one stage we thought we'd never get a race again this year and everything was doom and gloom. And then we went to Austria and race one was, was a cracker. 
and Lando Norris got on the podium and it was just complete carnage. And I, that one sticks out in my mind as, as the best race. It was, um, I mean, Austria always turns up a good race, to be honest. But um, yeah, I'm going to go with that. And maybe I don't know whether it is objectively actually the best race, but in my mind, it's just the one that I remember from this year because it was, yeah, it was the it was Genesis for 2020. What about you, Sam? What are you going for? This is the thing. This season has been bonkers when it comes to races. It's hard to actually pick a bad race. I'd say pretty much the worst one going was Spain. Um, classic. Classic. I mean, Hungary was all right as Hungary goes. Uh, Belgium wasn't... I mean, Belgium wasn't great for a Belgian race, but it was still good. Um, and then both the Italian Grand Prix have been absolutely bonkers. Both the Austrian Grand Prix have been absolutely bonkers. Both the Great British Grand Prix have been absolutely bonkers. Uh, for me, just because... I've never seen it before. Hamilton going across the line with three wheels around Silverstone um, and then Bottas up to just before and the absolute drama that was going on. That, for me, had me jumping around the room. I mean, I do that regularly anyway, but that really had me on springs. It was absolutely fantastic. But generally, about four other races are about 1% behind it. It's been such a fantastic season for racing. I am going to agree with Harry Eid. Um, I'm going to go with the first race of the season. Even taking sentiment, oh, wow, that's a difficult word to say. I know, I know. Sentimentality, <laughs> sentimental. That's got a word. Sentimental. No. Even taking the emotion out of the event, um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a great race. Um, I think Bottas versus Hamilton was quite fun. Um, you know, Hamilton staying within Bottas for, for about a second or so. That was uh, that was close action. Albon had the chance to potentially win the race. Um, and then obviously the crash with Hamilton happened. Leclerc made some epic late progress in that race. Um, and obviously that was the birth of last lap Lando. Um, not not the actual birth, but the birth of the nickname at least. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with that one. Sam, who has been your biggest letdown? And we're talking driver here. Oh, I have Ben written down for this. Um, right, I'm not a driver. <laughs> hang, on, hang on a second. Say that again. Go on. Say I had... Ben's been my... What What am I saying again? <laughs> oh, I, I have Ben <laughs> written down for that one. Um, that's gone well. well that's okay. We can cut that bit out. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. Um, okay, I'm going to cut from here. Um... Biggest letdown of the driver. I have Ben written down for that one. Uh, but quite honestly, I think uh, it pains me to say it. Sebastian Vettel has been, if you look, I mean, okay, upgrades go to certain cars first. You might have preferential treatment due to Leclerc staying at the team. But as a four-time world champion, you're not meant to be that far off of your teammate on a regular basis. And I'm so glad he might start getting his egg screwed on next season. Now he's got a contract locked down. Because he is in the clouds, he's on the beach, he's having absolute barney in his mind, and he does not care anymore about that Ferrari team. But he is being shockingly bad. When Leclerc is able to qualify in the top five and six in Q3, and he's scraping through Q1, there's something wrong there. For me, Vettel needs to get his act together, and uh, and all guns blazing next season, please. What are you going for, Harry? Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Vettel too. Um... I don't, but I don't blame him. I hoped after the contract, you know, it was announced that he he was not being kept on by Ferrari, that maybe we'd see Seb just not care about the team, go for it all by himself. But I think Seb's gone the other way. And I know the car doesn't seem to agree with him, but he's just checked out. I, mean, I said this last week, he's mentally checked out. And, you know, he's just waiting for the for the new team, the new environment. So I kind of don't blame him. He was He was shafted a bit by Ferrari, but at the same time, yeah, he is still a four times world champ. He's had a couple of good performances this year, but you know, some you know, consider Mugello qualifying, he was yeah, absolutely spanked by uh, Leclerc in qualifying. So yeah, it's Sebastian Vettel, but I have confidence that he'll re- regain his mojo next year. I'm gonna go with Alex Albon. Um he he put in a few encouraging performances at the end of 2019, and I mean that competitively with Max Verstappen. Um and this season it just hasn't happened. Um 
I know he was unfortunate with that race in Austria, but outside of that, it's been a, a bit of a struggle for him. I know he did get his first podium last time out. He went about as long a way around doing that as he possibly could. But there have just been too many instances this season where he's been so far off the pace both in terms of qualifying and in the race. I don't remember a situation where Albon's been within about three tenths of Verstappen in qualifying and in the race, it hasn't even been a question. So I thought he might make some more progress this season. I thought after a few encouraging signs at the end of 2019, 2020 would be the opportunity for him to press on. Hasn't really been the case. So I've been a bit disappointed in that respect. Race for the simps. (laughs) Well, this one should be short and sweet. Biggest letdown, but we're talking now about a team. Harry, who are you going to go for? I'm going to shock you here, lads. I'm not going to go with Ferrari. What? Really? Oh, I am shocked. I actually am shocked. I am. Because, we, hear me out, we knew after winter testing that they weren't going to be good. And yes, they've exceeded mm-hmm. our expectations of badness. That is true. <laughs> I mean, they're been really bad this year. But we knew... Already, you know, already back in Feb, I think we already knew the writing was on the wall that they weren't going to be fighting for the championship. We, you know, before Australia, I remember we were talking about whether if they could beat the Racing Point. Obviously, they can barely beat a Williams on some tracks. So, um, yeah, my biggest letdown, I think, is going to be Red Bull because I, I have, I think, the hope was there this year that maybe they could take it to Mercedes and Verstappen. You know, is in the form of his life, best form ever. Red Bull had a solid car at the end of last year. The relationship with Honda was blossoming. And just whether that's Mercedes taking it up another level or Red Bull not extracting enough out of the car. And, you know, the Honda has broken down a couple of times, I think. Yeah, uh, biggest letdown is a strong one. But they're they're the ones I'm just a bit like, oh, we had so much hope in you, Red Bull. And you've not quite delivered. You delivered one race win and Verstappen's driving the nuts off it. But... You've you've not quite you've not quite delivered what um what I hoped. So sorry, Red Bull, and now let the Ferrari bashing go. Um, we're now just going to have a quick excerpt from um Obi Wan Kenobi, who's got something to say on this. <laughs> Ferrari, sorry, Red Bull. You are the chosen one. <laughs> what is happening? You were meant to show. beat Mercedes, not lose to them. <laughs> Ewan McGregor's got on the stage. Security. <laughs> yeah, sorry. This is, this is Clive. Can we get security onto the stage, please? Ewan McGregor has gone mad. Special guest on today's podcast, Ewan McGregor. Cheers. It wasn't actually a terrible impression. No, it wasn't Cheers, bad, Ewan. actually. Well done, Ben. <laughs> well, I mean, you. Ewan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sam, biggest disappointment or biggest letdown for a team this year? Ewan, what are they? Um, I am also <laughs> not actually going to go for Ferrari. Um, because I also thought they were not going to be great. And yes, it is surprising that they are that bad, but I was expecting a drop. What I wasn't expecting was Racing Point to not be anywhere near the level they thought they would be. I thought they'd be up there pushing Red Bull every single race. I thought Perez, this would be the season where he would be scoring podium after podium after podium. They would be fighting regularly for the top three or four spots, much like what Red Bull were doing last season. But now Red Bull will have a new fighter where Ferrari had gone and Racing Point were there. And they're not. They've got a copy and paste version of one of the best cars Formula 1 have ever seen. And they just can't seem to make anything of it. And it is a real letdown. I thought we were going to have a new team up there. And, I, and, and, and we don't. And Perez isn't driving well. Stroll hasn't fully come into it. He's doing better. But I don't think he's hit the, you know, his Stroll. Um... And honestly, (laughs) sorry, sorry. Um, Yeah, so I expected more from them and I'm a bit disappointed. Well, I haven't completely lost my marbles, so I'm going to go with Ferrari here. I mean, I know know we thought they were going to be a little bit worse off than last season, but they've struggled to get out of Q1. I've, yeah, for me, it has to be Ferrari. I I, I thought that they were going to drop to third and I know... Um, I, I think Harry, you predicted they dropped to fourth, but um, I, and I know they're still technically in that fight, but it's not going well for them, is it? Um, I'm going to go with Ferrari here. Who has been Harry your biggest surprise, positive surprise that is, uh, in terms of a driver this season? Um, I am going to go for 
No, I'm going to go for Lando Norris. I know you gave him MVP. And he... We knew he was quick last year. Uh, and he had a good first season F1, undoubtedly. But he has just seemed to step up to another, an even bigger level than I thought he was going to in his second year of F1. He's really, really impressed me this year. Uh, and the maturity within, you know, he is he is a, a walking meme outside of the car. Um, but inside the car, he is he's so he's so mature already, and it, it is a, a cr- like a cracking race driver. Just makes good, sensible moves in the race. You don't often see him bin it, and I know he binned it in practice in Mugello, but that's practice. Um, he doesn't make silly silly attempts, and you know, crash into people. Um, yeah, I think biggest surprise for me. Uh, surprises. I, I, I'm not surprised that, he, that he's good, but I'm surprised at the level he's achieved this year. So Lando Norris for me. What about you, Sam? Uh, very much down the same vein, really. Uh, he was up there with MVP, but biggest surprise is Pierre Gasly. Went from crashing down at Red Bull, and I was one of the people that was shouting loudest about how he's not doing enough. He's not giving the performance that Red Bull needs. He's not delivering close enough to Max Verstappen. Getting him out of that drive. And I hope this has been the right thing for him. And it feels like it has, because without pressure, without that toxic environment, the guy is driven his absolute socks off, isn't he? He's got a race wing. There's only, what, four race winners now this season? Hamilton, Bottas, Verstappen, Gasly. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that out of the Red Bull family, the two guys that have won are Verstappen and Gasly, is what to me is incredibly surprising. The guy, okay, got a little bit lucky on the strategy call with the red flag, but he held it off in a car that is traditionally slower. He's been great in qualifying pretty much all season, ironically, apart from the Jello. But he's thrashed his teammate, Daniel Kvyat, who's no slouch. I really do think that Gasly has come into his own. And if a team has an empty seat, they should be looking at him because I don't think he should go back to Red Bull. And I think he needs to get out of that Red Bull family. And if he can get himself into a drive that maybe can progress in the long run, maybe after Danny Rick has enough of McLaren in a few years' time, he could go there. I don't know. Um, I really think there's a lot of potential for him if he can continue with this mindset and this form. He's really shocked me this year. I'd be really pleased. Yeah, I had two names in mind for this. And since one has already been said in Pierre Gasly, I'll, I'll go with Lance Stroll here. Um, I mean, Lando Norris, by the way, he's had a great season, but I, I always thought he had that in him. I always thought he was capable of something like this. Uh, Lance Stroll's had a really good year, though. Um, I, I've been impressed for him. Not not impressed enough to think that he deserves that seat ahead of Perez, but um, I think it's definitely been his best season so far. He's in sixth place at the moment, and he's had two pretty unfortunate DNFs as well. The one, obviously the most recent one in Mugello, he was on course for probably fourth place there. So that's another 12 points that would have seen him up a position or two. And um and that first race in Austria before he had a, a few issues, he was fighting well within the points there as well. So I think Lance Stroll, without those two unlucky DNFs, would probably be fourth place overall. Um, yeah, he's just qualifying has been much, much better this year. I was uncertain of of when, if if at all, those that qualifying pace would come out. And it has this season to an extent. Uh, and in the race as well, he, he is starting to improve there as well. So... You know, we've always said those great starts, they need to be complemented by other skills in terms of driving. Those other skills have been more prominent this year. So I'll go with him. And who has been your biggest surprise in terms of a team, Harry? Uh, I'm going to go with Renault. Renault. Uh, Renault. Renault. Yeah, I think they need they need the, the, the results they're having, but they... Yeah, they surprised me. I didn't think after last year as well was a pretty disappointing year for them. Um, this year they they've been re- really on the pace and yeah, it not not at every race, but even at Mugello, where I thought, I, as I said, I thought they were going to be poopy. As I said in last week's podcast, and um, Ricardo went and knocked me off. Yep, direct quote. Ricardo mugged me off and then almost got a podium. Um, yeah, Renault had a a much better season, and I didn't think they. I thought they'd be in the mix, but they're, yeah, they're, they've uh, they've excelled my expectations. Most surprising team, Sam? Uh, I'm going to go for their fellow engine user as to what Harry suggested, and I'm going to say McLaren. Now, 
McLaren were looking like they were on the up, but I did not expect them to be as on the up as they were in securing multiple podiums. I mean, it is fantastic to have them finally on there numerous times throughout a season. But Lando has just been brilliant. Sykes has been consistent as always, although he's been pretty unlucky with the car once again. Um, the team is really proud of the back. Their culture there is fantastic. They really look like they're going down more of a Mercedes route in culture. They're open-minded, fun, supportive, helpful. You know, that camaraderie that you are seeing in an F1 team. They are really nailing that. And Zach Brown has done brilliantly from a marketing perspective to secure them so much investment, so much sponsorship, so much worldwide viewing, such as their partnerships with IndyCar and whatnot. I am generally chuffed with how McLaren have come along. And I am currently, I think, consistently seeing them as the third best team in Formula One at the moment. Uh, that might change, obviously, next season when the, the regulations are almost exactly the same. But uh, for me, this has been a really, really good comeback for them. And it's the right path I wanted to see them on. And they're finally getting there. And it is fantastic to see them fighting for podiums on a regular basis. Yeah, I'd say both of those are fair enough. I'm actually going to go with Mercedes here. Um, which I guess answers the question of you know, Red Bull and Mercedes. I thought they were going to be close this season. That hasn't been the case. So you can either say, like you have, Harry, that you've been disappointed with Red Bull, and I have to an extent, um, but there is the flip side of that, that I've been surprised that Mercedes have yet again made that jump. And I know technically, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised given what Mercedes has been able to do over the last few years. Um, but yeah, I, I really thought this would be the season where it narrowed up slightly and that just has not been the case. Seven of nine wins to this point for Mercedes and let's face it, the the, the win at, at Monza, not taking anything away from Gasly, of course, but if everything went to plan there, Mercedes would have won that as well. The only one that they haven't won on pace and pace alone was that 70th anniversary Grand Prix. Max Verstappen's done his best. I think he's done a tremendous job just to keep uh, just to keep Bottas in check, let alone you know, beat him in certain races. Um, but even that hasn't been enough on a lot of occasions. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Mercedes here. And the most important award of the evening, the one they all want to win. It is the damn, I'm regretting moving to Ferrari in 2021, Memorial Award. And the nominees are... <laughs> Carlos Sainz. Carlos Sainz. Carlos Sainz. And Alex Jung. (laughs) Don't you boo Alex Jung. Can we kick him out? I actually actually have a a serious answer or to to this to this question. The this is nerdy. The the press officer, and she's got a great name, Sylvia Hoffer Frangipan. <laughs> That's my favourite name of the week. Fantastic. Was the uh, worked at the um, worked at Macca for since 2010 to the end of 2018. Endured the really hard times of the Honda relationship, and then moved to Ferrari as their press officer at the start of 2019. That she's wow. up there with Carlos Sainz to win the damn I regret moving to Ferrari. She's had an absolute Frank Japan. A complete Frank Japan. <laughs> I just want to play the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme on repeat. Good goodness yeah. me. That's uh that's tough. Um who who are you going for for this award, Sam? Um I think I'll go for the smooth operator. Um because this move really wasn't that smooth, unfortunately. Uh the man is gonna be looking at the back of his old car unless Ferrari make a monumental jump. Carlos Sainz is going to have a really difficult time, especially in a team that is completely centred around Charles Leclerc. Alex Jung snubbed again. (laughs) Sorry, Alex. (laughs) So Alex. And sorry, Carlos. I'm I'm sure it will turn around in 2022. We've we've got faith. It, It will work out, buddy. But we'll. I think we'll leave it there for the for the LB Awards. If you wouldn't mind, Harry, uh, doing the honours of the exit music. Well, thank you for tuning in once again to the LB Awards here on the LB Podcast here on Spotify. If you've enjoyed our host, Benjamin Hawking, and all his absolute idiocracies that he likes to say, then make sure to subscribe. If you drop the club feels one, I remember, keep breaking life. <laughs> that is absolutely sensational. Although I think like the primary reason people will subscribe is not what I'm saying. That 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 should not be uh, 
a pulling in point from our perspective. But <laughs> anyway, LB Awards. We'll, we'll do another set at the end of this season. Don't you worry. They'll be back. Um, and we will be back next week as we prepare for the next Grand Prix. Where where are we going next, lads? Ugh. We're, oh, we're going, to, going to a car park. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's right. We'll be in Sochi. Uh, we'll be previewing the Sochi Grand Prix at our ne- on our next podcast. Uh, until then, Sam, if you wouldn't mind doing the honours and getting us out of well, here. Well, if you've enjoyed the chat between the three of us and, of course, uh, you and McGregor and Clive popping along for the fun, <laughs> then... Do share the podcast, do review it, do come and speak to us on Twitter at Breaking. If you happen to join us over on YouTube as well, that would be lovely. Watch the videos, like them, subscribe, comment. It really means a lot to us. And we will be back, as we said, next week for the Russian preview. In the meantime, I've been Sandy Sage. I've been Ben Hocking. And I've been Fabrizio Barbatza. And remember, <laughs> keep breaking late. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.